Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Hebrews chapter 11. Um, I got a message today. I've got a title for you, actually ahead of time, before I deliver the message. Can you believe that? Maybe it'll change. I don't know. We're going to talk about a step ahead, a step ahead. And in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8, reading out of the New Living Translation, it reads this way. It was by faith. Everyone say by faith. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed. Everyone say obeyed. When God called him to leave home, to leave home, that means what's familiar, what I'm used to, what I recognize, right? I'm leaving my successes, I'm leaving my failures, I'm leaving my family, I'm leaving the things that I know, the things I understand, the things that I'm familiar with, the things that I am used to being aware of. He'd leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. And he went, it says, he went without knowing where he was going. That's interesting. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. That even when he got there, it didn't even look like what he thought it would look like. Because see, if faith is incorporated, if faith is being utilized, if faith is being, uh, is in operation, that means that the outside doesn't look like what God said, what God spoke, what God said it would be like. So even when he got there, he was still having to operate with faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. Can you imagine living in a tent that God called you to possess? Living in a tent that's not very substantiary. That's not something that, okay, I'm putting down roots. This is it. I know that I'm where. No, you're living in a tent because you're thinking, I could get uprooted. I, need, I might need to move on to the next thing. I'm not really sure if this is it. And he lived in a tent in a land that God had called him to. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. It says that Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith. Even Sarah was able, uh, that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, I'm sure if Abraham could go back and rewrite Hebrews, he would knock that out of there. You don't want that written about you. We could just left that out. Thank you, sir. A nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. It's interesting in the word of God and especially in accounts like this where you you get a... uh, a summary, uh, a summarization of a man's life. And it's so easy to look back, right? And it looks one way when it's something that is being written about something that's already taken place. This is a writing, this is a a summary of Abraham's life. In fact, the entire chapter of Hebrews chapter 11 begins with now faith is Substance of things, hope for the evidence of things not seen, defines faith and then goes on to list individuals throughout the word of God. And any of those individuals, we easily write off. The Moseses and the Sarahs, the Abrahams, the Gideons, the, the Joshuas, the Daniels, the Davids, um, the, the Elijahs and the Elishas. So easy to read through the Old Testament and look back on someone's life. But what you have to keep in mind is these individuals didn't know there there were stories going to be written about them as they were living this. It's easy to go back and say, oh yeah, that worked out. Oh, that must have been easy. Oh, it must have been, you know, so simple for Abraham to hear from God, 
And he says, pick up and leave your family, leave your familiarity, leave everything you know. Out of nowhere, a 75-year-old man at that, not just any man, not a young man that's like, you know, sitting at home saying, I wanna get out of here. I'm tired of this place. I wanna go do something else. Talking about someone that's already set in his ways. We're talking about someone that's already by this time, lived a great life, accomplished much. Uh, the Bible is very clear that Abraham was prosperous. Abraham was successful. Abraham was rich in all accounts. He's on the back end of his life. He's in a season of his life where he's ready to settle in and settle down. And God finds this man and says, go to a place that I will show you. Go to a place that I'm not gonna tell you where it is. I'm not gonna give you step-by-step directions. There's no Siri, there's no GPS, there's no Google Maps. In fact, nobody's even been there before. You're gonna have to write the map. I need you to blaze a trail. Nobody's even been to this area. And we're not talking like up the road or down the street. Uh, uh, We believe that this journey was around 1,500 mile journey. I don't know how wide across the United States is, but I would think that's at least half of the United States. That would be going from the East Coast to at least the Midwest. What's that? That, that, That's Texas. Texas is 1,500 miles across. That's going from East Texas to West Texas. I was talking to someone the other day. They were talking about traveling through Texas. and said it felt like it would never end. I understand. It's a big one. 1,500 mile journey, they said. Would take time. There's no plane, there's no Uber, there's no rental car. You're journeying and day by day, Lord, is this it? Lord, is this it? Okay, God, what about today? We there yet? (laughs) Abraham was the, pestering kid in the back seat that God every now now and then had to smack. I'll let you know when we're there. I don't want to hear it again. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Imagine doing that. Are we there yet? And as you're taking these steps, and this is what I recognize about the word of God and, and most of the men and women in the word of God. God showed them two things. Two things. He would give them an ending, an outcome, a product. And then he would show them the next step. The next step. And that's usually about it. That's about the only template they had. That's about the only instruction they had. And most of us spend the majority of our lives, and even as believers spend the majority of our time and the majority of our efforts and the majority of our straining and our growing and in life and to try to find out as much as we can before we take the first step. We work so diligently to cover our bases. We work so hard. We strain so tirelessly. The word has a word for it. The Bible has a word for it. It's called toiling in trying to know as much as we can. And these individuals knew two things. They knew the end. And then they knew the very next step in front of them. And most of them didn't know more than that. I mean, I can take you through Noah. There's a flood coming, build an ark. Okay, when's it coming? How's it coming? How do I build an ark? Like you want the instructions. You want the instructions in the box when the box shows up and God says, no, no, no. I'll tell you as you go how to build this thing. And he gives them the dimensions. God's very much into details. He just doesn't give you the details. He knows the details. He knows exactly. He's orchestrated it all. In fact, the Bible tells us that he knows the end from the beginning. He doesn't know the difference between the end and the beginning. Duh, we can all do that. He knows the end from the beginning. Before he starts, he knows how it's going to end. He knows how it's going to finish. He knows how this thing's going to be completed. 
okay? But we want to know so much more. And these individuals moved, lived their lives on the daily, regimented their lives out of knowing as little as possible, but doing as much as they could. Now, again, we can look back and we can read books like Hebrews. It's like, oh man, what an awesome man of faith. I want to be a man of faith like that. But let's go to Genesis chapter 12. Let's just jump in the scenario with Abraham. Why not? I mean, you know, if we're going to read the summary, if we're going to read his autobiography, if we're going to read the ending, why don't we go ahead and take the journey with him? Take the journey. Look at your neighbor and say, we're going to go on a journey. I've already been transparent enough with you that I'm not a journey person. So maybe I'm just ministering to you out of something that God's working on in my life. That's usually the case. That's usually how this goes, by the way. I'm not on this stage because I have it all figured out. I'm on this stage because I'm learning, learning with you. And I just want to reveal the word of God and see the word of God operate in your life and see you live a blessed life. Amen. And so in Genesis chapter 12 and verse one, it says, and this is in the New King James, now the Lord had said to Abram, at this time, he's still Abram, get out of your country. I mean, there's, there's no option here. Hey, Abram, uh, what you think about taking a trip? You tired of this place yet? He's not even asking. There, this, is, there's, this is not a conditional uh, uh, statement. This is a command. Get out. Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land, and here's the four words, to a land that I will show you. Okay, great. I will show you. Meaning as you go along, not ahead of time. I will show you. But this is what he says about this land. I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you. And make your name. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So there's the end and the next step. There's the end and the next step. The gap between the next step and the end, that area between that next step and seeing the final product is called faith. That gap is called faith. The Bible tells us that the just shall live by faith. Back in Hebrews chapter 11, verse six, the faith chapter, the faith hall, it actually tells us that it is impossible to please God without faith. I cannot stress enough, and you guys hear it a lot, but it's worth communicating and re-communicating and articulating and, and, and reminding you that faith is a demand of the spirit life. Faith is not an option for believers. It is a necessity. If you're not living by faith, you're not living the God kind of life. You're not living the life he's called you to. If you're not in a faith journey, faith battle, faith challenge, faith, whatever you want to call it, then we're not living according to the standard that God has for our lives. The life that God has for you demands faith. Faith has to be operating in our lives. So we have the next step and we have the end, the product, the assurance, the promise, and that gap in between is called faith. But there's another gap. There's another gap. There's a gap between the last step and the next step. There's a gap between what I know and the next thing that I know. That gap is called obedience. That gap is called obedience. So it requires me to obey on the level 
that I know. God will never call you to obey beyond what you know. So if he has given you a directive, if he's given you a command, if he's shown you uh, what that next step is, the only thing he's looking for is obedience. That's all he's looking for. And so I have what I know, my home country, my father's house, my familiarity, uh, uh, what I've become comfortable with, what I've become, uh, uh, what has become recognizable to me, what I live in on the daily basis. And then I have the next step. I know what the next step is. He's given me the next step. The next step is to sow a seed. The next step is to walk in love. The next step is to put in an application. The next step, whatever the next step is, you know what the next step is. Everybody in here has a next step. Everybody, he's not asking you to obey on steps he has not yet clarified or shown you. He's asking you to obey on the level that you know. The Bible tells us that it is the willing and the obedient that will eat the good of the land. The willing and obedient. Obedient. I love Brother Hagin's story on that. God called him out of pastoral ministry, 12 years of pastoral ministry, called him on the road, told him that his ministry would be fruitful, his life would be fruitful. And he was on the, on the road evangelizing, traveling from church to church, ministry to ministry, and it wasn't going so great. And he said, he said, he talked to the Lord and he said, we got a problem. This isn't working out like you said it was gonna work out. There's an issue here. He said, your word tells me that the willing and the obedient will eat the good of the land. And if you said, I'm not obedient, I have to call you a liar. And God responded and said, you're obedient, but you're not willing. He said, don't tell me it takes long to get willing. It took me about 10 seconds to get willing. And things began to change. Come on, obedience is not just mere submission. Obedience is not a stranglehold. It's not just, okay, God, if that's... No, there's a willingness. There's a heart that God is expecting you. God sees beyond just the outer instruction, just the outer display, just the outer uh, putting on, okay, I'm going, God. Or sometimes it's, God, I'm staying. Sometimes he's not asking you to go. He's asking you to stay and you want to go. And I found out a lot of times that God's will contradicts my will. That when I want to go, he says, stay. And when I want to stay, he says, all right, time to go. Anybody with me? Why? Because it takes faith. Amen. Faith and obedience, faith and obedience. That's what it said there in Hebrews chapter 11 in verse eight. Uh, uh, It was by faith that Abraham obeyed. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would show him. And so now here we are in Genesis chapter 12. Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. So after hearing the blessing, all right, God, yeah, that sounds awesome. Can we back up to that uh, I will show you part? Um, You got any more insight there? Uh, Nope. All I got is go. Which direction? Go. When do I know I'm get there? Go. And this is where we live our lives. Not knowing enough. Not knowing how it's going to pan out. Not knowing how it's going to play out. Having to place a full reliance, trust, and dependence upon God because that's what faith is. Less of me, more of you. I don't want to get to the end of my life and it be simply a product of what I could accomplish. My business or organization simply be a product of my level of investment. I want to take big steps, bold steps, faith steps towards what God has called us to do. And everybody in here has a faith journey. Everybody in here has a a journey. And these are the things you have. You have the last step, the next step, and the end. Now, I'll tell you right now, you have to keep in mind the end. I've seen many, 
many believers fall off to the wayside. Many believers not continue to be persistent and run their course because they forget the promise. They forget the end. And most importantly, they get to places in life and they have this conversation with God. This isn't what I thought it would look like. This doesn't look like your picture. And that's what Abraham said. Just the fact that Hebrews tells us that he had to even operate by faith in the land tells me that when he got to the land, it didn't look like what he expected it to. And our expectation is, is incredible. Our expectation is amazing, but we must be careful to keep our expectation in line with God's word. Because a lot of times we limit God with the very same expectation that we are supposed to believe God with. Reminded of Mary and Martha when their brother Lazarus died and they called out to Jesus and they said, uh, you know, your, your, your servant, your friend whom you love, he's on his deathbed, he's sick. But we know you can heal. We know you can set him free. We've seen you open blind eyes. We've seen you open deaf ears. We've seen the lame walk. We've seen demons be cast out. We know that you can heal him. If you'll get here in time, we know. And Jesus says, I'll wait. I'll wait. Wait. And Lazarus dies. And Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up and everyone says, you're too late. Thank you for coming and paying your respects. He's gone. In fact, he's already been in that grave over there four days. Four days. Oh, Jesus, if you would have been here. But we know we'll see him again in the resurrection. He says, I am. Resurrection is not an event. It's a person and it's standing right in front of you. You're about to see a new side of me you've never seen before. I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am what you need. I don't need to wait for something to happen. I am it. And the second I show up, it shows up. He just raised their expectations. Their limitation was, if you would have been here, you could have healed him. And God said, what if I want to do more than that? What if I want to do better than that? What if I need all these people standing around to see a man in grave clothes walk out four days after? Because in a little while, in about six short months, I'm going to need to come up out of a grave in three days. So if he can bring this man up out of four days, he can surely bring me up in three days. And this is for everybody standing around that they will believe and the son will be glorified. Jesus Christ will reign. Maybe there's a greater purpose but we're so involved in the details. We're so involved in what we think God can do and how we think God can do it that we miss it because we're just got to be obedient with the next step. The next step. There's always a step in front of you. Genesis chapter 17, after journeying for a while, God will throw in little confirmations every now and then for you. And in Genesis chapter 17 and verse one, it says, when Abram was 99 years old. All right, so we've just jumped ahead about 25 years. He was 75 in Genesis 12. How long are you willing to wait? That's a lot of days of asking, are we there yet? And let me just tell you something. God doesn't get irritated with those questions. He knows who we are but he wants you to build your faith. He wants you to build your trust in him. He wants you to build your dependence on his word. And Abram was 99 years old and the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Yeah, that's what you said 25 years ago. Walk before me and be blameless. 
So it's not just the journey that you're on, but it's how you take it. How you take the journey depends on if you get to the, arrive at the destination. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. I just wonder what was happening on this 25 year journey. We, we, we skip a lot of stuff. I mean, there's some very interesting stuff that takes place uh, in the chapters between 12 and 17. 25 years of, of, of on this journey, 25 years of are we there yet? 25 years of, okay, I'm just doing the next step. I'm just taking the next step that's in front of me. I don't know what else to do. I can't make this up. I can't just go running off on my own thing. I've got to follow the word of the Lord. And he said to take the next step. But in those 25 years, by faith, operating this way. I want to tell you something. Your faith is stronger than you think. If you will build it, invest in it, develop it, pour yourself into it, if you will sell yourself out to strengthening your faith to the greatest degree, it can produce great things in your life. I want you to know that. Faith is an interesting thing because it's only built through trial. Faith is only built by doing what you can't do. Faith is only strengthened under pressure. You've heard us many times talk about faith and faith is much like a muscle. And your muscles build under pressure. Your muscles don't build under taking it easy. Your muscles don't build with potato chips and couches. Your muscles don't build. Netflix do nothing for your muscles. Social media does nothing for your muscles. Maybe your, your thumb. About the only one that's getting a workout. No, if you want to strengthen them, you apply pressure. You put yourself in situations, God situations. And it's so easy. The, 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 the default knee-jerk reaction many times is to come out from under the pressure. It's amazing that we have associated discomfort with the devil and comfort with God. But I wonder if many times it's the other way around, that maybe the devil wants to keep you comfortable and keep you familiar and keep you around things that are recognizable. And maybe God's trying to pressurize some things, test some things. He's wanting to put you in some situations where he has to come through for you that cause discomfort to move you out of places where you don't need to be, where you don't belong, where his promise can't succeed. Maybe we've got it backwards. He says, I will multiply you. I will keep my covenant with you and you shall be a father of many nations. Yeah, you said that 25 years ago and I've been taking these steps, but God will come back and he'll remind you, he'll speak into your life. I'm still here. You're on the right path. You're in the right place. You're on the journey. I know it might not feel like it. I know it might not look like it. I know it might not sound like it, but stay with me. Stay with my word. It will surely come to pass. And your name shall be Abraham. We've got to start calling you something else. Abram won't work. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. And I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants and after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. What's interesting about this portion is God has waited 25 more years to produce something in Abraham that he was already unable to produce 25 years prior. You typically don't want to add years of infertility when the promise is a nation. 
It's usually not the direction you want to go. You know, if we're just going to put a timing deal on this, we were already behind the eight ball at 75. We've moved 25 years down. The clock has continued to tick and we've only moved further away from this production being possible, from this promise coming to pass. And it's amazing the things that God will continue to speak to in your life that even you have given up, that even you have said, there's no way this is possible. And it wasn't possible 25 years ago. How much more could it be possible today? But it's that much more evident that God is directing and guiding your steps. I mean, even Romans chapter four gives us further insight uh, uh, and, and tells us that Abraham did not consider himself dead in his own body, did not consider the deadness of his wife's womb, Sarah's womb, but he remained constant in his righteousness and constant in his faith to believe that God will do what only he could do, that God would do what he said that he would do and that he was able to perform call those things that are not as though they were. It's Romans chapter four. Again, easy to skip ahead, but we're on the journey with him. We're in his daily life. We're right here with him. Proverbs chapter three. Proverbs chapter three, y'all know this verse, verses five and six. In the New Living, it reads this way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. All, circle it, underline it, put stars on it, highlight it, whatever you gotta do. All your heart. That word in the Greek is translated all. It means all, 100%. Nothing left out. God isn't all or nothing God. He wants all of you, all of your trust, all your reliance, all your dependence. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. That tells me that when I get into this position of living by faith and I get in this position of trusting the Lord with all my heart, one of the first risks that's gonna show up is try to figure it out myself. The New King James reads, uh, do not lean on your own understanding. That word lean means to support yourself, to support yourself. What is your support system? What's your support system like? What's supporting you? Circumstances? Some of us have roller coasters of support systems. And when it looks like God's plan is evident and God's plan is working. And man, I'm having a good day. You know, uh, uh, you know uh, things are happening and, and people are smiling at me. I mean, there's just so many things that we base our trust in and our dependence in. And God is saying, I'm not moved. I'm not shaken by anything that happens around you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart when it's good. Trust in the Lord with all your heart when it's bad. That's what it means to give him all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Do not depend on your own understanding. It says to do this, seek his will in all you do. And then he will show you which path to take. Wait a minute, I'm not supposed to seek the path. No, seek his will. He'll show me the path. So many of us are busy looking for the path that we don't even know what his will is anymore. We're looking for the path. We're looking for the method. We're looking for the product. We're looking for the outlet. We're looking for the avenue. We're looking for the road. We're looking for this and we're looking for that. And he's saying, hey, I'm over here. Matthew chapter six, verse 33 tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and what? All his, uh, and his righteousness and all the things that are necessary for your provision. Anybody need provision? Provision means for the vision. He said, it'll come looking for you. Are you looking for something that's supposed to be looking for you? Are you chasing something that's chasing you? It's having a hard time finding you because you're running around trying to find it. 
He says, no, 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 seek my purpose, seek my plan, seek my word, do the next thing that I've put in front of you, the next step, because I am always a step ahead. That's what he says. So now we wanna skip ahead to Genesis 22. Many of you know the punchline. You know that Abraham is blessed with the son. Abraham and Sarah, 190 years old, give birth to their first child. Could you imagine? Imagine what that was like. Showing up and going to the park with little Isaac. All these 20s and 30s running around with their kids. Abraham's like, when I was your age. Is that your, is that your great, great, great grandson? Nope, that's my son. That's my boy, just born. First one, actually. We didn't even start over. We just started <laughs> at 100. We're just getting going. Imagine Sarah pregnant going to pregnancy classes, Lamaze classes. Take it easy. Yeah, it had to be interesting. Here they are, 100 and 90 with the young son because God performs his word. God performs what he promises. But now Abraham is about to take a journey, a journey unlike his previous journey because his journey before only incorporated him and his family his wife, his nephew, Lot, his servants. I mean, that's a big responsibility. It's one thing to step out on your own and follow God, but it's another to have other people responsible or to be responsible for other people than to say, where are we going? Uh, wherever God tells me. Yeah, so where's that? When he tells me, I'll let you know. having to respond to servants and his wife and family members. But now he's about to go on a journey in Genesis chapter 22 with this new son of his, Isaac. And sometimes journeys when you're walking the Lord's path can seem like you're going in the wrong direction, can seem like the steps are out of order. It seem like we are going backwards. Because again, the ultimate goal is Abraham's faith and trust in God. And in verse one, it says, it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. It's not something we talk about a whole lot in church. It doesn't say that God blessed Abraham. It says God tested Abraham. Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He didn't say there I am. He said, here I am. God is just wanting to know, are you here? God is just wanting to know, are you present? Presence, presence, being present in the moment. Now it'd be very easy for Abraham to simply hang it up here. I mean, look, I've moved I've taken the journey. I've been blessed with the son. I mean, I look like an idiot for 25 years saying I was following you to a place that you would one day show me and that you were gonna bless us with children and I was only growing further into non-childbearing years. This wasn't getting any easier to stand the test uh, uh, against what other people were saying, even fighting my own thoughts of, man, Am, am I crazy? Am I hearing things? Is this really God? Or is this just some, that I have bad pizza last night? What is the issue here? And he stood and he fought and he stood the test of time. What else does God want from this man? But he said, here I am. 
And he said, take now your son. And he <laughs> goes even a little deeper. Your only son. Uh, yeah, God, I got that. I only have one. Thanks for clarifying which one you were talking about. Your only son, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. Oh, he's given him a destination. This is, God, this is easier. We're good. I'm gonna go camping or something. And offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. It's just amazing. We've got the last step, the next step, and the promise. And this is why the promise is so important and you have to remain fixed on the promise because anything that happens between here and now does not compromise the promise of God if it's the word of God. But this is where our minds start going, going awry. This is where our thoughts start coming into play and we start trying to figure out what is God really up to and how is this really gonna happen and how is this really gonna work? But remember, God is always a step ahead. Jesus was a step ahead of Mary and Martha because he actually had spoken there at the beginning of John chapter 11 and he said, this sickness shall not end in death. That's what he said. Now, in our minds, we think, you're wrong. He died. But Jesus clarifies and he says, I said it won't end in death. Therefore, see, we think death is the end. And Jesus said, the end is not death. That means there must be more to the story. Jesus said, hold on, I'm not done yet. Death has now just simply become part of my process. Death has now just become part of the step. And now that's just another step you need to take. So it doesn't matter what situation you're in. It doesn't matter what your outcome has been so far. If it's not the outcome he promised, you're not done yet. He's not done yet. You're not finished yet. There's more steps to take and you can't give up when it looks like this is the one step that will compromise all the steps. You've got to be willing to take the steps because he is a step ahead. And so Abraham rose early in the morning, verse three, saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and the lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. It's interesting, the things that you take on your journey, that God will ask you to actually take less than what you think you need. God will actually ask you to eliminate things on your journey, not add to. And many times, it's the things that we bring along our journey that compromise the outcome because we eventually will end up making our own outcome. We will end up making, we will design our own ending according to what we think God is trying to do. I can tell you this, God doesn't need your help in making his plan come to pass. He just needs your obedience with the steps that he's given. There are steps, our steps are ordered, our steps are directed of the Lord. But outside of those steps, we don't need extra stuff. And I would advise you today, encourage you, if you will, to eliminate things on your journey that could be compromising you seeing God work in your life. It's amazing the faith killers that we bring along. Well, I just might need it. I've asked you to cut that person out of your life for three years. Yeah, but, but you, you don't know. I, you know, I, I, I just might need them. You never know. Faith killers. 
We pack it along for the journey. We, we take it along with us. We throw it in the trunk knowing that at least I can fall back on the credit cards. At least I can fall back on having this person around. At least I can fall back on doing this. And God's saying, I need all your trust, all your faith, all your dependence. And anything you bring along for the ride will compromise your trust in me. So eliminate, cut off, neglect, abandon, get rid of things that will hold you back so you can put your full trust in me. You got to eliminate some things. Sometimes we're so busy managing the needs that we have that we never allow God to meet them. We're so busy managing the things that we have in our possession that we never give God the room to really operate in our lives. Have you really given that over to God or you have a backup plan? There's no backup plan here. In fact, Isaac speaks up and says, so Abraham took the word, the wood and the burnt offering and, uh, uh, no, 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 we wanna back up. Verse five, Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, the lad and I will go yonder and worship. We will come back to you. So Abraham took the word, uh, the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, his son's pretty, uh, you know, he's got it together. He's figuring this thing out. He says, um, uh, okay, you got the fire, you got the wood. Uh, oh, we need an offering. We, we, we need a lamb the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. What are you allowing God to provide? On this journey, what are you allowing him to provide? What is God bringing on the journey? Are we seeking first? the kingdom of God, or are we seeking first the blessings of God? There's a difference. Blessings are a byproduct of kingdom. Blessings are a byproduct of obedience. Blessings are a byproduct of following his will and following his word. And many times we're going after the byproduct rather than going after the goal. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first his righteousness. That means uprightness. That means honoring his standard and his way of doing things. And then all these things will be provided to you. What is God providing? What are you letting him provide? Not what you have to let him provide. We have to let him provide. And then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order and he bound Isaac, his son, laid him on the altar upon the wood. I only know the next step, God, until you show me another step, I have to follow through with this one. I can't think beyond this step. I can't figure out how this is gonna work. I can't try to figure out, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm delaying as much as possible, but I've got to follow through with the plan. God wants to know, will I follow through with his word? Will I follow through with his plan? Will I follow through? Look, I only have one son. I can't imagine being called to do this. Probably wouldn't have responded uh, like Abraham. But this is bold, audacious faith going after what God has spoken. And we get some insight later on into Abraham's thinking as he's lifting up this knife, getting ready to thrust it through his son's chest. And Abraham stretched out his hand. He took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and so he said, here I am. If God calls out to you, can you say, here I am? Can you be present where God has called you to be? Or are you in the wrong place at the wrong time? 
Have we delayed? Have we not climbed the mountain? Have we brought too much provision? Have we expected too much? Have we allowed our expectation to become our limitation? All these things are are conducive for the right environment to say, here I am in the presence of your word. Here I am in the presence of what you spoke to me. Your promise will come to pass. He said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted his eyes and looked and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. And as it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And then they took the long journey back home. You can only imagine that conversation. So, uh, dad, did you know that was going to happen? only imagine the years of therapy those two had to go through. Yeah, my dad put me on an altar. He tried to kill me. He says the Lord told him. But in Hebrews chapter 11, if the worship team would come, verse 17 By faith, Abraham. When he was tested, referring back to Genesis chapter 22, he offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. By the way, that's the same terminology that was used in the Hebrew in Genesis chapter 22. When God gave the command and he said, bring Isaac, your son, your only son. The only other time that we see that terminology used in the word of God was when God came through the clouds after Jesus was raised from baptism. And he said, this is my son, my only begotten son in whom I'm well pleased. God was actually setting a precedent. God was actually foreshadowing to when he would offer up his own son. See, God's not asking you to do anything he won't do. Your God is a faith God. He had faith in you, didn't he? Some of you have even told God, you got the wrong person. I'm not your man. Who do you think I am to parent these kids? Who do you think I am to run this business? God, you made a mistake. And he said, no, I operate by faith. I pick the least qualified. I anoint them and I empower them. I put my spirit upon them and they can accomplish great things. The great things that I said I would accomplish. The great things that I said would be done. He picked a man that was fatherless at 75 and 100. He picked a man that was living in familiarity and was living comfortably on his own to be a father of many nations. And this is what it says of Abraham. It says in verse 18, of whom it was said, in Isaac, your seed shall be called. That's the promise. Concluding, this was his conclusion. This is what he landed on. What's your conclusion today? What's your confidence in today? What's your answer in today? What is your promise that you're standing on today? He concluded that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. Why? Because God is always a step ahead 
And if this is the next step he's calling me to do and it doesn't make sense, it seems contradictory, it seems counterproductive, it seems like I'm going the opposite direction of what you said the end would look like. So there must be another step in between. And so I'm gonna obey from the last step to the next step. And I'm gonna have faith from the next step to the end that you are a step ahead, that you know what you're doing. That's a, There's another step in between here somewhere. And I believe that if he dies, you will raise him up. You promised me a son. You promised me a nation. You promised me a people. You promised me. I will not give up. Which steps are you willing to take? Just the ones that make sense? Just the ones that are in front of you? Or are you willing to understand that God is always a step ahead of you? That even if it dies, he'll bring it back to life. Cannot be faithless. Cannot be faithless. But he concluded that even God would raise him up. Psalms chapter 37 verses 23, 26 in the New Living reads this way, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall. Hey, you're not done yet, get up. If you're in this place today and you've fallen, he's not done yet, get up. You've merely stumbled. He's ready to pick you back up, get you back on track, get you back on path. They will never fall for the Lord holds them by the hand. Once I was young, now I'm old. And yet I have never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. The godly always give generous loans to others and their children are a blessing. I don't know what promise you've been given. I don't know what steps are in front of you. I don't know what steps you've taken. You're in one of two gaps today. You're either in between the last step and the next step or in between the next step and the promise. But I'm telling you today, his steps are ordered. His steps are directed. He's guiding you, leading you, teaching you, showing you as you go, as you obey through faith and obedience you will see the promise come to pass. You are asking too much. You want to know too much. You want every detail. You want the Siri. You want the GPS. You want to be able to zoom back out and say, okay, there's the whole path. Let me tell you something today. If you knew the step beyond the next step, you wouldn't take the next step. Wouldn't do it. Don't sit here and look at me like that, like you would. Oh yeah, I'm in faith. I, I would do, oh yeah, I mean, if God showed me the whole journey, I, I would just, no, you wouldn't, because I wouldn't have. I stand here today, a testimony and a testament to you that I have taken life one step at a time. I've done exactly what he told me to do when it didn't make sense, when it looked like it was great. We, I did exactly what he told me to do when it called me to abandon my family, abandon friends, abandon homes. I've laid it all on the line just for the next step, just in hopes that I can get the next step right. I don't know anything else beyond that. And if he would have shown me when I was a young little 18 year old kid in Bible school, the whole path, I will stand here transparently before you today. I would not be here. I would have called it the devil. I would have. Oh, that must be the enemy. Go there? No. That's not what you've laid on my heart. That's not what you've shown me. No, I've taken one step at a time. And now God's urging you today. The next step the next step well what about the next step the next step the next step thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today we trust you received a word from God if you enjoyed this teaching be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes 
By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.